everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Days on Digest. I'm April Dyer, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Days on, and I will be your host for today's episode. The title of this episode is Reducing Antibiotic Use for Upper Respiratory Infections in Outpatients. And we will be discussing an article published in Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology by Lisa Davidson and colleagues entitled, A Multimodal Intervention to Decrease Inappropriate Outpatient Antibiotic Prescribing for Upper Respiratory Tract Infections in a Large Integrated Healthcare System. We are recording this episode on June 17, 2022. As antibiotic stewards in hospitals, we often focus on inpatient antibiotic use and antibiotics at transitions of care. However, the majority of all antibiotic prescriptions are written for outpatients, and 30% of those prescriptions are estimated to be unnecessary. When you look at upper respiratory tract infections specifically, this number jumps to an estimated 50% of antibiotic prescriptions being inappropriate. This outpatient prescribing is not benign, as it causes community onsets, Clostridium difficile infection, antibiotic-associated adverse events, and antimicrobial resistance. The study we will review today was conducted in 162 primary care practices in and around Charlotte, North Carolina, that are part of the Atrium Health Network. The objective of this study was to evaluate the effectiveness of an intervention to reduce this inappropriate antibiotic use in upper respiratory tract infections by the Carolinas Healthcare Outpatient Antimicrobial Stewardship Empowerment Network, which we will refer to by the acronym CHOSEN. CHOSEN is a stewardship program for outpatients that set a goal of reducing inappropriate antibiotic use for upper respiratory infections by 20% over a two-year time period. Due to their large outpatient network, Atrium is well-positioned to look at outpatient stewardship interventions in a large integrated health network that contains a variety of specialty practices. The CHOSEN program implemented a bundle of key education strategies within their network, which included patient and provider education that was designed to meet practice-specific needs, and timely accessible data on antibiotic prescribing that could be accessed by providers to compare their antibiotic use to peers. The study was prospective, interrupted time series of antibiotics prescribed between the pre-intervention and post-implementation period. The study timeline went as follows. First, there was a pre-intervention period from April 2016 to October 2017, followed by an implementation wash-in period from December 2017 to March 2018, where participating providers learned about educational resources and received training on how to use the dashboard to access their antibiotic use data. Finally, the post-implementation period was from May 2018 to March 2020. The intervention was designed by analyzing patient surveys and interviews and prescriber interviews and feedback. Once stakeholders were identified, work groups formed to develop antibiotic education for patients and providers and design a prototype of the dashboard for sharing prescriber antibiotic use. The final dashboard was something providers could access to compare antibiotic use among individuals, practices, and the organization. The group decided to specifically target upper respiratory infections where antibiotics were either not indicated or only indicated in certain situations. Now, let's look at the two major components of the campaign, patient and provider education and the dashboard in a bit more detail. The educational campaign ran for six months and began in November 2017. The education campaign educated patients in the community through a wide variety of resources, including a consumer webpage with educational content and videos, 
content on social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, articles printed in local media, and local news interviews. They also developed internal education and resources for providers and patients. Chosen tools were introduced to internal medicine, urgent care, family medicine, and pediatric practices. On the provider side, this included guidance on how to talk to patients about viral infections, a toolkit with disease state management guides for upper respiratory infections, and an antibiotic prescribing dashboard. They also included resources that providers could share with patients, such as educational handouts, information on over-the-counter treatments for viral infections, ibuprofen and acetaminophen dosing guides, commitment flyers and waiting rooms and examination rooms, and educational videos. Providers were educated on how to access and use these tools and resources by a centralized education team that was led by the ASP physician and pharmacist leads, with service line leaders and performance improvement teams assisting with this educational rollout. Microsoft BI was used to develop a prescribing dashboard. Monthly electronic health record data were incorporated into the dashboard for reporting, and only providers with 10 or more encounters for an indication were included. The dashboard allowed physicians and other prescribers to visualize their antibiotic use on a rolling 12 months and compare year-to-year -year data. The antibiotic use data could be stratified into indication and antibiotic class and viewed by providers, practice sites, specialty directors, and administrators. For the study, data were collected from the electronic health record and administrative data sources. Encounter-level data included patient, provider, and practice characteristics. For patients with multiple antibiotics and or multiple antibiotic indications, all antibiotics and indications were included in the data set. Data were examined for all ambulatory visits to primary care practices from April 2016 to March 2020 that had at least one diagnosis of upper respiratory infection as identified by a final build ICD-10 code, including acute sinusitis, non-suppurative otitis media, acute bronchitis, non-bacterial pharyngitis, cough, upper respiratory infection, common cold, allergic rhinitis, and influenza. These conditions do not typically require antibiotics. All outpatient antibiotics prescribed within 72 hours of the encounter for these conditions were included. Exclusion criteria included patients with concomitant infectious diseases that warranted antibiotics or patients who had an upper respiratory infection that met institutional guideline criteria for antibiotics, such as bacterial pharyngitis or superative otitis media. The primary outcome of this study was the monthly prescribing rates by the primary care service line. This was calculated by the number of encounters with an antibiotic ordered compared to the number of eligible encounters in patients with the aforementioned ICD-10 codes. A chart validation was performed to ensure the appropriate data were being captured by the dashboard, and additional validations were performed at the request of providers. A segmented regression analysis was performed to compare monthly prescribing rates before and after the intervention for each practice type, which included pediatrics, internal medicine, family medicine, and primary care. Seasonal changes were also accounted for in the analysis. During the study period, 746 unique providers saw 691,545 unique patients in 1,656,472 primary care visits. The proportion of patient encounters with inappropriately prescribed antibiotics fell from 47.5% in the pre-intervention period to 38.7% during the intervention period.
the pre-intervention and post-intervention periods did not have any statistically significant demographic differences. In terms of age distribution, patients under age 18 made up 45.9% of the pre-intervention and 43.4% of the post-intervention group. And patients 65 and older were the smallest age demographic, making up 14.2% of the pre-intervention and 15% of the post-intervention group. Roughly 57% of participants in each arm were female, and patients with a race of white Caucasian made up 73 to 75% of participants. 90% of patients identified as non-Hispanic ethnicity. The most common diagnoses were upper respiratory infection, cough, and pharyngitis. And the most commonly prescribed antibiotic class was penicillins, followed by macrolides, beta-lactamase inhibitors, cephalosporins, tetracyclines, and then fluoroquinolones. There was a noted decrease in macrolide use from 26.9% of patients in the pre-intervention to 22.1% of patients in the post-interventions. The authors also point out that fluoroquinolones were the least commonly prescribed antibiotic group, given to 4.5% of patients in the pre-intervention group and 3% of patients in the post-intervention group. This may be due to black box warnings that have led to national decreases in fluoroquinolone prescribing or the inclusion of pediatric patients in the study. As we mentioned, over 40% of patients in the study were pediatrics, and we less frequently use fluoroquinolones in this population. During the pre-intervention period, 51.8% of urgent care visits had inappropriate prescribing, followed by 49.6% of family medicine visits, 47.8% of internal medicine visits, and 40.7% of pediatric visits. After the chosen team performed their intervention, inappropriate prescribing dropped by 20.4% in family medicine, 19.5% in internal medicine, 17.2% in pediatric medicine, and 16.6% in urgent care. As stewards, we all know that improving antibiotic use is hard work. Despite the known need to reduce inappropriate antibiotic prescribing, providers and healthcare networks struggle to achieve and sustain significant reductions in inappropriate antibiotic use. Prescribers in the outpatient setting often have limited time to see patients, and patients may pressure them to prescribe antibiotics because the patients do not understand the harms associated with inappropriate antibiotic use. HM Health hoped to decrease inappropriate antibiotic use in the outpatient setting by 20% in 2020 and engage stakeholders in the importance of this goal through training and education. The study was able to achieve an impressive 18.5% reduction in inappropriate antibiotic use for upper respiratory infections across all practice settings, with the family medicine service line reaching the 20% goal. The author cites several things for the success attributed to this reduction in antibiotic use. First, a diverse group of stakeholders participated in the design and implementation of the intervention. Second, even though the intervention targeted multiple practice lines, the messaging and education had a unified message. Senior leadership was also very supportive of this intervention, and the feedback on antibiotic use was timely, transparent, and all providers were held to the same practices and metrics. The limitations cited in the study are that they used billing data rather than claims data and could not verify whether or not prescriptions were filled. Also, prescriptions written outside the patient encounter were not included. Using this encounter data had advantages because it allowed the chosen team to display timely prescribing feedback on the dashboard for prescribers. The intervention also used simpler structure than tiered interventions, such as patients always, sometimes, or never requiring antibiotics for an indication, 
or the healthcare effectiveness data and information set metrics. Since the intervention bundled patient and provider education, antibiotic use feedback, and me media communications into a single program, the impact of any single intervention could not be measured. If you are on the inpatient side, you may be wondering how these results can be applicable to your practice. And I think that there are some great takeaways from this intervention. First, I think this study highlights the importance of offering alternatives to antibiotics. The team who designed this study really did a great job offering both a patient and prescriber education alternatives to antibiotics and education on the importance of avoiding unnecessary antibiotic use. Many of these resources are available as part of the article's supplemental materials, which I would encourage listeners to review. Educational tools and consistent prescriber feedback are tools that can be deployed as interventions in any setting to discourage antimicrobial use. Second, we may not think of upper respiratory infections as inpatient diagnoses, but emergency departments may engage in outpatient prescribing and be a potential inpatient target for stewardship interventions aimed at upper respiratory tract infections. At many of our days on hospitals, there are provider CC patients in both the inpatient setting and at practices in the community. These providers would benefit from education on appropriate therapy for upper respiratory tract infections. Also, in some areas, feedback and education may need to be targeted at more than just the prescriber. The chosen team's intervention offer robust patient and prescriber education. However, during this intervention, the providers emphasized the importance of educating their entire staff on the initiative, and more education was rolled out to nurses, medical assistants, and other office staff. It's important to have all hands on deck when we roll out large interventions and not forget to educate as many staff members as possible. The paper also stated that in 2020, Atrium expanded the chosen team's intervention to the emergency division, school-based care practices, and virtual patient visits. We will eagerly await future data on those results. So, in summary, the authors implemented a multifaceted intervention that involved patient and provider education, a media campaign, and a prescriber antibiotic use feedback aimed at reducing antibiotic prescribing in patients with upper respiratory infections that sometimes or never require antibiotics. A total of 162 primary care practices who treat adult and pediatric patients participated, and over 1.6 million primary care visits were analyzed over a four-year period. The multimodal design showed that these interventions decreased antibiotic use for upper respiratory infections by 18.5% from the pre-intervention to the post-intervention period. Thank you for tuning in to episode 40 of the Days on Digest. We hope to see you next time. 